Hi everybody, welcome. Welcome to worship. Welcome to Schweitzer today. We're glad you're here. I'm Jim, I serve as a pastor and a host for our experience of worship today. It's so good to be with you wherever you're at. We're really excited about today. We're beginning a new series, a new series called Exponential as, as we explore how God can use us in this life, how we can make a difference, and what are the barriers? What keeps us from our full capacity with God? Pastor Spencer's gonna lead us in the sermon and God has a message for us all today. Also, if you're a guest with us, really glad you're here. Thanks for being here. We have a gift for you. We'd love to send it right out. It's a Starbucks digital gift card. So check in with us at sumc.co slash hello. We'll get the gift right out to you. And now, Let's uh, hear from Stephanie, who's gonna tell us more about what's going on here at Schweitzer. Hi, I'm Stephanie. We had a blast celebrating Easter with all of you last week. It was great to see so many of you both here in person and online. And we had a chance to capture some great pictures. If you'd like to see or even download some of these photos, check out our new site for pictures at sumc.co slash photos. If you're just getting to know us here at Schweitzer, there are many ways to get connected. This may be through a small group or by volunteering with our media and tech teams or our kids ministry. Every week we also post sermon notes online so you can dive deeper with the message. You can find out lots of ways to connect here at Schweitzer by going to sumc.co slash next. Thanks, Stephanie. We appreciate you. If you're worshiping with us live today, we invite you to chat. There's a chat feature. Say hello to your friends. Give us your insights. Also, we have a person available to pray with you. There's a prayer button on your screen. And now let's worship God together. Let's enjoy each other. Let's celebrate and KJ is going to lead us.
Now as we come to this time of prayer together, we thank God for the gift of prayer, and more than that, how God changes the world and changes our lives through prayer, shapes our lives, shapes the world. It is crucial to our life with God and others. Today, I invite us to pray in an attitude of uh, thankfulness, gratitude for what God is doing, uh, Easter, resurrection, for what's occurring here at Schweitzer, and then also uh, an attitude of humility and confession uh, confessing that uh, we don't always put God first in our lives and that we can be indifferent and passive in our faith life. So let's, uh, let's pray in gratitude, also in confession, and then we'll come back together. Let's pray. Holy God and kind, kind Father, we are grateful that you are working, that you uh, see this world and your spirit 
comes into our lives and into this world and works for good. Thank you, Lord. Also, we thank you for your forgiveness because we, we know that we are easily distracted and that we can put ourselves first. And so we, can, we confess our selfishness, but knowing, Lord, have your way with us. Come Holy Spirit, change us, transform us. Use us to bring into this world your grace, compassion, mercy, and so much more. Change the world, Lord, and use us. We surrender our lives to you. And now, Lord, we pray together the prayer that you taught us a long ago. We pray with boldness and confidence and saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. As we come to this time of offering, we give thanks to God for God's goodness and faithfulness and providing God's provision on our lives, caring for our lives. And we thank you for your generosity, your giving back, responding to God's goodness with faith and generosity, trust and obedience. Your giving, your generosity empowers experiences like Stations of the Cross. The days leading up to Easter, over 500 people, families, and groups experience the power of this uh, experience of Jesus going to the cross for us and being faithful to his mission. And then on Easter, Easter day, wow, it was amazing as we gather to reconnect with God and each other. Now let's watch what happened. of Easter, that through Jesus' resurrection, you can find a source of life. Because of Jesus' resurrection, you can be made alive. Because of Jesus' resurrection, all of those things that you might be tempted to chase after, you can find that those things, they don't even compare to Him. He, He, and He alone is the source of what we're looking for. He and He alone is the one who will complete us. He and He alone is the source of life with a capital L. Easter was truly amazing. We are so grateful, grateful to God, grateful to you for showing up, being here, being present. God was glorified. It was so good to be together again, to reconnect, say hi to our friends and just enjoy God and enjoy each other. And we can continue to give by going to sumc.co slash give. Thanks for doing that. And now let's continue to worship.
Well, welcome today. My name is Spencer, and today we're going to start a new series called Exponential. We're going to take three weeks, and we're going to have a conversation about how to make a difference in their life as we look at a, a teaching that Jesus gives about the difference-making that you and I can have in this world to, to live a life that, that really honors God, glorifies God, and makes a difference in the world, because this is something that we believe, that this life is not just about us, that God has a plan for us. He's given us gifts and abilities, and He wants us to influence and to lead and to make a difference in this world. But before we get there, I, I have to say, how fun was Easter? Oh my goodness. Last week was so much fun. We had about 1,200 people come and celebrate. And there is something about being together and celebrating that together that just makes it so much more powerful. So I'm so thankful that we were able to do this. And, and it was such a great celebration from the worship to the Easter egg hunts and just to see all of these people um, together. And, and moving forward, that, that word I just used there, together, is a really big thing. And I, I just wanted to take a few minutes before we start and just kind of talk about that for just a second. And I wanted to share this just myself with you that that we hope as we move forward that we're going to be together a lot more. And we expect that that more in-person participation is, is going to start happening. And so I just I just want to say to you, you know, if you've been hesitant to, to be in worship and in-person worship, we'd really want to invite you to return, to be with us as we move forward. And, and as we do, um, there's a few things that, that we might come to expect as we do this. Um, one of those things is that as we move forward and, and really put a lot more effort and work into our in-person worship gatherings, that we're gonna be moving the dial a little bit. So you should come to expect that our, our online worship is gonna start to look a little bit different as we move forward. We'll do that slowly and you'll kind of see that as, as it goes. And, and the other thing I wanna say is that um, if, if you've been hesitant to, to, to be with us in worship because you know, I, I don't know if there's room, there's room. We have like 600 seats in our sanctuary and I think our biggest service so far has been 172. There is room. We, we want to be together and so if it's safe for you, if, uh, if you're able to come, we really want to encourage you to be together because as we worship together, oh my goodness, church just isn't the same without you. So we, we wanna see ya. Um, this week though, we're gonna start this new series. Matthew 13 is where we're gonna be and we're gonna be exploring this teaching that Jesus gives about how to make a difference with our lives. And, and as he gives this, it's gonna be a parable that we're going to read through and we're going to read through it for the next three weeks and just learn from Jesus about this difference-making life that he has for us. So Matthew 13, we're going to start in verse one. Here's how it goes. It says, that same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. Now we're going to read a lot more here, but I wanted to pause here because just to set up what we're about to read, and we're going to set this up because Matthew 13 sets it up with this first line that says that same day. So here's a little pro tip when you read the Bible. Pay attention to details like that. When you read those kind of lines like that same day, we should ask ourselves like, well, what day was that? What's going on here to, to draw us here? So if you're reading from a printed Bible, it's a little bit easier than if you're reading from your phone. But if you look back in Matthew 12, you can start to see some of the things that were going on that day that we're about to read from this teaching. And one of those things is this. Um, Jesus that day was accused of breaking the Sabbath. That's a really bad thing to be accused of back then. That's, that's like you're, you're accused of not honoring God, not honoring the traditions. You're basically a sinner. It's a terrible thing to be accused of. Then later on in that day, Jesus is accused of being possessed by a demon. It gets worse. <laughs> it's being accused by being possessed by a demon. Like this day just keeps getting worse. And then finally that day, during the same day, Jesus' family shows up. And as we compare kind of the other gospels to, to what's happening here, we think the reason that his family's there is to bring him home. Like how bad is your day when your family shows up, when your mom shows up and, and it's like, it's time to come home. Maybe this whole preaching thing isn't quite for you. Like that's the day. This is a terrible day. So we're about to read 
a, a teaching that is all about difference making. And I, I wanted to start with thinking about the background here because I think it's really important that even Jesus, who made the biggest difference, still had days where there was setback, there's accusation, there's roadblocks, there's critical uh, critics, there's all kinds of problems that happen that he's still facing with. But even in the midst of that, this is the background that leads him to this lengthy teaching about how to make a difference with our lives. So let's keep reading here. So that same day, he's by the lake. Maybe he's by the lake because he wants to be by himself, but people come after him. So verse two says, such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat on it while all the people stood on the shore. And he's on a boat not to get away from people, but to use the water as a microphone. And so then says, um, then he told them many things in parables, stories, saying, a farmer went out to sow his seed. And as he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil where it produced a crop a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. Whoever has hears, let them hear. Now we're going to skip down a few verses and Jesus is going to explain this parable. And here's what he says. We're going to start in verse 18. He says, listen then to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears this message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. This is the seed sown along the path. The seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. The seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. But the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. This is the one who produces a crop yielding 160 or 30 times what was sown. And notice that last line, 160, 30 times. There is the kind of life that yields a, a harvest that is 160 30 times what was sown. This is why we're calling this series exponential. It's an exponential impact that is made. The, the seed that is planted, the work that God has done, it is producing a harvest, a, a crop that is 160 or 30 times what was sown. And, and if you were paying attention to what we just read through here, you'll notice that Jesus doesn't tell us how to be that kind of person. Instead, what Jesus tells us are three ways of how to not be that kind of person who produces 160 or 30 times what was sown. And so in the series, what we're gonna do is we're gonna look at those three places where the seed falls, that, that when it falls in this way, we get sidetracked and distracted and we don't become the kinds of people who make 160, 30 times kind of difference with what was sown in our life. And so we're gonna look at this. And the first one we see is this, that, that very, uh, very specifically, Jesus describes a, a kind of person where the seed falls in some soil and this is the first kind, he says. He describes it as a, as a farmer going out to sow seed. And as he scattered the seed, some fell along the path and the birds came and ate it up. That's the first, uh, the first problem with, with what gets in the way of becoming that 160, 30 time kind of person. And if you're wondering, well, what does that mean that the birds came and up, but ate it up? Like, how do I apply that to my life? Well, Jesus explains it. Verse 19, here's his explanation of what that kind of person is. And he says, um, when anyone hears the message about the kingdom, and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. This is the seed sown along the path. The seed sown along the path is, 
is the person who, who's the work of God that happens in their life that gets snatched away from the evil one because, and I just want you to hear this, because they do not understand it. They do not understand it. The evil one is able to snatch away the work that God is doing in their life because they do not understand it. Now, when I say understand it, I, I just want to be clear here that when Jesus uses that word, he means something that none of us heard. Because when we hear the word understand, what, what we heard is like, they do not have an intellectual mastery of the subject matter. We, we hear it as if like the problem here, they don't understand it is it's an educational problem. They just need to learn more, read more. They, they need to go take the class or listen to the podcast. They need to read the blog and really understand. Like they just need to grow in their knowledge. And then if they grow in their knowledge and they'll have the understanding, and that's what Jesus is talking about. That's not what Jesus is talking about. Jesus is, is not talking about understanding from from an educational perspective, if we just need more knowledge, he's talking about this from a first century Jewish perspective, which, which is something different. Because in a first century Jewish perspective, to talk about understanding is not so much to talk about what you know, it's to talk about what do you do with what you know. So here's an example of that. We all know that uh, we should have healthy diets. We, we know we should eat fresh food and raw food and we should eat vegetables and have a, have a balanced, healthy diet. Like, we know this. But do you know what I had for lunch yesterday? I had drive through fast food. And if there was a vegetable in it, it was a French fry. It was delicious. But like, I know I should have a healthy diet, but what do I do with what I know is sometimes there's, there's like a gap in that. Because what I do with what I know is I, I go through a fast food line. Like, like I, I know I shouldn't, and yet this is sometimes what we do. And this is, this is the gap that, that, that exists. And so a first century Jewish perspective, when they talk about understanding is, is not so much about do you have all of the knowledge? Have you taken the class? Have you read the book? Do you understand the argument? It's more like, what does your life demonstrate with the knowledge that you have? That's what understanding is in a first century Jewish perspective, in a biblical perspective. Let me give you a great example of this. Another place in the Bible, James chapter one. James says this, great example. He says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Like, don't just take another Bible study class. Actually start to live it. That's, the, that's what understanding is. He goes on, he says, anyone who listens to the word but do, does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. Like this is understanding here. It's not so much that you have learned the content and you've learned the, the, the course material. The, the understanding that Jesus talks about is that you are actually living the things that we say that we believe. That's, that's what it means to have understanding. And all of us have a gap in that. All of us have a gap between the things that we say we believe and then what we actually demonstrate with our life. And in church, of course, we talk about the things that we believe all the time. I mean, I think about the Apostles' Creed, something we say in our church. I believe in God the Father, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church. Like we say all these things that we, we believe, these, these professions of faith, but sometimes it's, it's easy to, to separate the things that we believe from then how we actually uh, purposefully live our life. The decisions that we make on a day-to-day -day basis, like those things get, get separated sometimes. And, and so like, you know, I, I think about sometimes people will say things like, um, you know, I believe that the Bible is the inspired authoritative word of God, which is a great thing to believe. I believe that too. I believe that the Bible is the inspired authoritative word of God. But, but here's a better question. Not so much do you believe that, but rather do you live as if that's true? 
because that's the point of understanding. It's not so much that I just believe something, it's do I live as if that's true? Do I, do I live as if it's true, for instance, that the Bible is the authoritative, inspired word of God? Because the Bible says things like this. It says things like, it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. Do I live as if that's true? Do I practice generosity? Do I, do I tithe and, and, and live as if it's true that generosity is better than, than, than receiving? Or the Bible says things like, do not worry about my life. And so do I uh, tend to cultivate worry and get really stressed out all the details or, or am I able to surrender that to the Lord? Do I live as if it's true? Or where the Bible says things like, you know, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. So do I love those who have harmed me or and pray for them? Or, or do I hold on to the resentment? Like, like it's not so much, do I, do I believe certain doctrine? Do I believe certain tenets? Do I believe certain things because I've, I've learned them in my head? It's more like, do I live as if these things are true? That's, that's the point of understanding. And, and this is something that people who make 160, 30 time difference in their life, this is something they understand. That it's, faith is not so much just about the things that we, we say we believe, it's really about the ways that we begin to live this in a daily kind of way. Because the people who make 160, 30 times kind of difference in their life understand that, that every single day we have choices that are in front of us and in terms of of how we're gonna live and the, and the choices that we're gonna make about how we're gonna live and the choices that we're gonna make about how we're gonna honor God or not honor God or, or put our faith into action. And, and it's these kinds of choices that begin to show up that are truly our, our understanding that we have. And, and a lack of understanding, having a, a gap in our life between what we say we believe and what we actually do, like this is gonna sideline us from what God wants to do in us and through us in, in, into the world. And so every single day there are choices before us how we're gonna treat people, what we're gonna do with our resources, what we're gonna do with our mind, our words, how we're gonna treat our bodies. All Every day there's choices in front of us, but what are you going to do with what you say you believe? One of the things that we say in our house to our kids is we say you have to be faithful in the small things, kind of a little mantra that we, we, we use with our kids. You gotta be faithful in the small things because this is where real life is lived. Real life is not lived in these big, bold decisions of faith all the time. Real life is lived in the daily choices that we make about are we going to put the Lord first? Are we gonna honor him with the actual decisions that we make and how we treat people and what we do with what we have or in, in the ways that we think, like these, these daily kinds of things because this is where exponential kind of living, real difference making begins is, is what do you do in, in real life with the real decisions that you have and you begin to live as if this is actually true, this, these things that we say that we believe because it's not enough just to have more knowledge. It's not enough just to read another book. It's not enough just to listen to another podcast. We need to actually put into practice the things that, that we believe. And this happens in all kinds of small decisions that we make every single day. Because I know in church that sometimes we love to idolize the people who make like the big, bold moves of faith. And we look at them and we're like, man, they are making such a difference for the Lord in the world and their life. And we look at them, we look at the people who, you know, take big career changes and they, and they go start a, a nonprofit or maybe they go to become a pastor and they decide to, to go down that road or people who move overseas to be missionaries. We like to idolize these kinds of people who take these big, bold moves of faith. The, the Mother Teresa's, the Billy Graham's, these people who, who have these big, bold initiatives. And we look at them like, those are the people who make a difference, but that's not true. The reality is that God wants to use every single one of us every single day for him. And, 
And, and our faithfulness, our obedience in how we understand, how we practice the gospel day in and day out, this is how the needle moves in making a difference in our life. Like these small things that we maybe discount as insignificant are like compounding interest in the kingdom of God. They just, they just grow and they, they can make a, a world of difference. You never know the difference that small acts of obedience can have in the world for the, for the work of God. Let me give you a great example of this. Let me tell you about one of, one of my heroes. So Albert McMacken, maybe a name you don't know, probably you don't, there's no real reason why you should know, but I think the world of Albert McMacken. Now, Albert McMacken is one of these people who is like an exponential kind of person, 160, 30 time kind of person. And, and, and he's not anyone that you really should think he's that way. I mean, he, he didn't like preach sermons. He wasn't a missionary. He, he didn't, uh, you know, lead an organization or write books or anything like that. That's, that's not him at all. In fact, Albert McMacken was a truck driver, but he was faithful in the small things of life. And this faithfulness in the small things of life led to just a massive world changing difference for so many people, 160, 30 time kind of life. So, so here's, here's his story. Albert McMacken's a truck driver in North Carolina in the 1930s. In the 1930s, you know, a common thing that, that a lot of ha uh, little towns had and uh, that would, would be that these preachers would come through town and they'd do revival, sometimes in tents. I think about our Easter tent that we had. Someone said we should have had a tent revival when, when we had that. Maybe we should have, but this is what, you know, took place in a lot of places, a, a lot of towns around America in the 1930s, these, these tent revivals. And, and there was this famous preacher who came, came through his town in, in the 1930s, 1934, and had this tent revival. And Albert McMacken, this vegetable truck driver, he, he, uh, he went to this revival and he just had a profound experience of the Lord and he, he was moved. He's like, I need to get more people here. I need to invite people. I need to share this. I need more people need to experience what I just experienced. And so he looked at what he had and uh, he looked at his life and he had this vegetable truck that he used to make deliveries. And he's like, I could take people to the revival in the truck. And so he started to personally invite people to come and experience this, this thing that had so impacted him. And he personally invited people and he would drive around his town and he'd load them into the truck and he would take them then to the revival so they could have that experience. And, and one of those people that Albert McMacken invited was a 17-year-old kid named Billy. And Billy was living at the time far from God. But Albert McMacken personally invited him, went to his house and picked him up. And he, along with others, went to the revival. And Billy that night encountered Christ. He says later in his life that this was a turning point in him where he felt a call to preach. And, and, and eight decades later, of course, Billy Graham will have preached to more than two billion people. It's said that more people were saved because of the preaching of Billy Graham than any other evangelist in the history. So this is like a world-changing person, Billy Graham. And it's someone we like to, to elevate as this world-changing person because he's the most famous, most successful evangelist that the church has ever had. And, and then I, I think about Albert McMacken. And I think it's fascinating when you start to think about the decisions that he made because at the, at the moment, like we might like to elevate Billy Graham as this exponential kind of person, but like don't disregard McMacken because Billy Graham will later say that it's because of that revival and it's because of the personal invitation that Albert McMacken gave that he went to the revival that his life changed. Like there are millions of people whose eternal life is in a different situation because of Albert McMacken's choice. 
And at the time, it's not like Albert McMacken knew that Billy Graham, the 17-year-old kid who was living far from God, is going to become this world-changing evangelist. That's not what he knew. He didn't know that at all. What he knew was he had this experience with the Lord. He wanted more people to encounter God. He felt like God was calling him to do something. He looked at the resources of his life, and here's an opportunity to be faithful. It's not this big, bold move. It's inviting someone to come to church is all it is. But you never know what that small little act of faithfulness does in someone's life. The small act of, of choosing to be faithful with the situation you have in front of us. What I, what I love about Albert McMacken's story is to also think like, what if he hadn't done this? What if he had said no? Because there was been all kinds of reasons to say no to this, you know, small act of obedience that was before him. Like he could have easily looked at his life and be like, oh my goodness. I can't drive everyone around town. Like gas is expensive. I can't do that. Or he can't, he could have been like, I, I can't, I can't take all this time to go pick people up from all these places and, and, and then take them to the revival night after night after night after night. I don't have time for that. Or it could have been like, it's not safe to put a whole bunch of people in the back of my delivery truck. I, I can't, certainly I can't do that. That's not a safe thing to do. Or it could have been like, Oh my goodness, I got so many things to watch on TV. It's not TV. I got so many things to watch on, listen to the radio because it's 1930s. Like there's been so many things I could have done differently. And I just, I just love to think that there's so many reasons why Albert McMacken should have or could have said no. He could have done things differently, but instead he said yes. And this exponential impact takes place because of this small choice to say yes to what the Lord has. Like I, I can't help but see in Albert McMacken this kind of exponential kind of leader, this exponential kind of person who, who God uses to move the needle in so many people's lives. You see, there's always going to be these choices in front of us every single day about how we live and, and how we say we live, what we say we believe, and the actual ways that we navigate our lives. And what exponential kinds of people know, the kinds of people who make 160, 30 time kind of difference in their life, what, what they know is that the small choices of obedience, the small choices of faithfulness, the things that might seem insignificant in the big picture, they know that those things matter. Because every act of small obedience, every act of faithfulness, even would be easier not to be, like these are things that God uses. These are things that God uses to impact other people. It's things that God uses to change our own life further. It's things that God uses to grow His kingdom among us. Small acts. It's not always these big, bold, brave things. It's small acts. And so Jesus talks about the kind of person who the evil one will steal away the seed because they do not understand. And he's talking about folks who, on one hand, have these professions of what they say they believe, but on the other hand, aren't actually making the choices to live into what they say. And so this morning, I want to I just encourage you that every single day, God is going to put in front of you choices of, of how you're going to live. And when you choose those small acts of faithfulness, don't discount those as insignificant. Those are the ways that God is going to move the needle in your life and in other people's lives. And every single day you have a choice. Every single day you have a choice to, to live in to the gospel as if it's true. And as we do this, this is what God uses in our life and other people's lives to move the needle. So let's, let's pray together. Father, I just, I thank you that today um, we celebrate. We celebrate what you have done and are doing. We celebrate your goodness in our life and the way that you want to use us. And we acknowledge that there are gaps in our life between what we say we believe and the ways we actually live. 
And while sometimes we may idolize these people who make big, bold moves of faith, the truth is that the real difference that we're gonna make are found in the daily small decisions that we have, small acts of faithfulness. And so would you put within us the courage to be faithful in any and every season as we treat people, as we think about um, our own life, as we think about our words, as we think about what we do with our resources, there's all kinds of small acts of obedience that you might stir within us to put in place this way of understanding that is living the gospel. Small acts of faithfulness that put you first in every decision we make. Lord, we love you and we thank you. And we love you because you have first loved us and invited us to have a relationship with you. So Jesus, would you use us this week in big ways and small ways and everyday ways to make a difference in the lives of the people around us. In the name of Jesus, our Savior, we pray. Amen. It's been a great day of worship. Thanks for being here. We appreciate you being here. Also to the team, thanks to Spencer for the message, the awesome message today. Also to Stephanie for keeping us connected. And who do you know who could use a message of encouragement and hope and how to make a difference in their lives too? Spencer shared with us how we, how we can make a difference with our with God in our community and world and in our lives. Share this with others on social media. And we really look forward to seeing you back next week. Have a great week. See you then.